Well, good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here today. You know, I am so uh, thrilled with all of our teams that we have here around Epic, and you just saw one of our teams at work and, uh, and saw our worship team up here guiding us through the journey this morning. And I, as we come in this morning, I'm wondering, how do we transition from worship to the first song in the video, I'm Too Sexy? I'm not quite sure how all that works out, but we've got a great worship team that helped with that transition there. And yes, we are in part two of our marriage series. So there's a little bit of application there that we're going to look at today. The principles in this series that we are looking at are applicable to all of our lives, whether you are currently in an in-love relationship or ever hope to be in an in-love relationship. In fact, if, if you feel your, your arm here and there's a pulse or your neck... <laughs> Okay, then the principles that we're talking about are applicable to you in your life, no matter what situation that you're in. Now, last week in week one, I said that it seems today like it's never been an easier time in our world to fall in love. And if you're not in an in-love relationship right now, you may have you know, some, uh, some doubts about that. But in today's world, with all the technology that we have, social networking and the such, it seems like, according to how our world defines love, it's never been easier for two people to fall in love. But at the same time, it's never been harder for two people to stay in love for a lifetime. So it's never been easier to fall into it, never been harder to stay in in it. Now, we fall in love because of attraction, but we stay in love because of a plan, and that's what we're going to talk about in this series, how to follow God's plan together. So let's just pause for a quick word of prayer, and then we'll dive in. So Lord, I thank you so much that you provide a plan for us, a plan to follow. Lord, so often in our relationships, we're just confused and we damage each other, we bruise our relationships, and, and Lord, we, we create all kinds of chaos that doesn't need to be. Lord, if we would follow your plan for our in-love relationships, we would discover something that very few discover. Lord, I pray that you would teach us today through this series how to be in love and stay in love the way you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're not familiar with that movie, that clip comes from the movie Juno, where a teenage girl gets pregnant, has to decide what to do with her baby. And uh, she decides to have this child and then give this child up for adoption and finds another couple in their community that would like to adopt this baby. She gets to know them a little bit. And as she's getting to know them, she discovers that their relationship isn't so great. And she thinks back to her, her relationship with her parents, her mom and dad, their relationship ended in divorce. And she looks around her world and just, you know, asks that question in that tender moment with her dad, you know, is it possible for two people to fall in love and, and stay in love for a lifetime? And I think that's a question a lot of us are asking as we look around at the relationship of marriage in our culture. As we look at it, you know, there's, there's not a lot of good going on there. You know, many of the marriages that we know of end in divorce. Majority of marriages today will walk through the pain of, uh, of divorce. And so we wonder, you know, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love for a lifetime? 
Is it possible for a couple to survive all the challenges of marriage? Is it really possible for that to happen? And yet, with that question that we have and maybe that doubt in our minds, we still pursue in love relationships because there's something in us that drives us towards them. And we said last week that that something in us is placed there by God himself. There's a desire in all of us to be loved by other people, to be loved by someone special that will love us and cherish us for a lifetime. But how do we uh, reconcile these differences that we see in our culture? How do we reconcile this desire that's within us to be in love for a lifetime and what we see in our world? I mean, how do we balance those two things? We said last week, as we started this series, in order to stay in love for a lifetime, we have to start with ourselves. Can't start with anyone else. You have to start with yourself. So you can't start by trying to fix your boyfriend or girlfriend. And we can't start by pointing out all the bad things that your fiance or your spouse has done or is doing. We've got to start with ourselves. And last week, we started with ourselves by examining the challenging truths that we found in Philippians chapter 2. And as we read through Philippians chapter 2, we saw that we have to love our spouse the way that Jesus loves us. And in our relationships, we have to take the attitude that Jesus had and apply that to our relationships. So think about your in-love relationships and think about those moments that you have Christ's attitude and then those other moments where you don't have Christ's attitude as you interact. We need to humble ourselves That passage said that we need to treat our spouse or our future spouse as if they're the most important person on the planet Earth, the most important person. No one else is more important than our spouse. If you missed that message last week, I encourage you to listen to it from our our website, theepicchurch.com, download it from our iTunes account. There's some profound truths there for us to understand. But today we're going to take a quick look at something that Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13. And then we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 5, which I think is one of the most challenging passages on in love marital relationships. But first, let's start with John 13. So in John 13, Jesus was talking with his disciples right before he's about to be arrested and crucified. So these are some of his final instructions to his followers, some of his last words. And if you think about someone who's about to share their last words, maybe before they die, if they know they're dying and they're going to share their last words, often those are the most important words that they are going to share. As they kind of look back at their life or analyze life and they summarize it in a moment and they say something that's profound. So Jesus, in this moment, he says, I'm going to give some final instructions to his followers. And in John 13, 34, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So in addition to the 10 commandments, in addition to all the other rules and regulations that you follow in your life, here's a new commandment. And I'm sure Jesus' disciples were, were on the edge of their seats. They're pulling out their iPhones and their tablets and their iPads. You know, they're like, we got to get this because, you know, our, their culture was driven by commandments and rules. And Jesus says, here's a new one. So they didn't want to miss this one. So they're paying close attention to this new profound truth that Jesus is about to say. 
And Jesus says, this new commandment is love each other. I want you to love each other. And I'm sure that some of his disciples might have thought, what else? Isn't there more? I mean, that, that doesn't sound very profound. You know, love each other. That doesn't sound like a new profound truth that we should, you know, live our lives around. So isn't there more? But notice what Jesus did in that statement. He changed love from a noun to a verb. He said, listen, I don't want you to just talk about your love. I don't want you to talk about all the ways that you want to love people. I want you to demonstrate your love in action. So the foundation for staying in love is to make love. Pause, a verb. So I thought that pause might help you remember it just a little bit. The foundation for staying in love is to make love, a verb. Jesus continued in verse 34 by saying, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So Jesus says, listen, if you've never seen it modeled well, you don't know what it looks like in your world, if you want to know where to turn, who to follow, then love the way that I love and do what I do. To stay in love, you have to make love a verb. In verse 35, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, he didn't say that your, the amount of Bible knowledge that you have will prove to the world. Nothing wrong with Bible knowledge. Great stuff. But he didn't say that. He, he didn't say your good intentions, you know, all those good things that you want to do but don't always follow through on. He didn't say those are the things that will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say that, that fish bumper sticker that you put on the back of your car or, you know, that other Christian T-shirt that you wear, you know, or that, um, that Christian jewelry that you wear. He didn't say any of that will prove to the world that you are a follower of Jesus. He said your love for each other, your love demonstrated will prove to the world. All right. Now, with that as our backdrop, let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5. So Ephesians chapter 5, in our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 898. So I ask you to grab a Bible and turn over there real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. And if you were with us last week, I asked you to read Ephesians 5 all week long in preparation for today's message. And so if you have done that, either you are like completely overwhelmed at what you've read, or you could come up here and share all the cool things that you've been learning this week. But this letter to the Ephesians is written by a guy named Paul. He's the same guy that wrote the letter to the Philippians that we were looking at last week. And Paul is going to echo what Jesus said in John chapter 13. But through Paul, God is going to add a little barb on what Jesus has said here. So let's start in verse 22. Okay, for wives. So if you're a wife today, if you want to be married someday, this is talking to you. For wives. This means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Amen. We're going to pause there. 
I didn't pay him to do that. I was well-timed. But I did want to pause there for just a moment and let maybe the ladies breathe. Like, how are you doing out there, ladies? You know, that's like some heavy stuff to read. So before you kind of check out mentally and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to really pay attention for the rest of what's going to be said, just hang in there with me, because I think there's something that often we miss in this passage. I grew up around some conservative Christian circles, and in some of those circles, I had heard this passage taught quite often. You know, wives submit to your husbands. So it wasn't overly taught, but it was, you know, consistent um, truth that was taught from Scripture. And uh, I never really paid attention to it because, you know, I knew I'm never going to be a wife one day. So it just, like, wasn't a big deal to me. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to this. But I have an older sister. And any time this was taught in a church context, it was kind of fun to sit next to my sister and watch because, like, the, the veins in her neck would start, you know, going out and you could, like, poke them and it'd be really fun. And she would get real red in her face. And, and she has this real independent spirit. So anytime, you know, things like this were taught in Scripture, she's like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, what is this saying? And how do I apply this to my life? And um, I'm married. If you know my wife, Tammy, she has a very independent spirit. And I have uh, four children. The first three are daughters. And two of them are teenagers. And any time a passage like this comes along, you can watch the, you know, their, their blood pressure rise a little bit. And they say, well, what does this mean? And what am I supposed to do with it? Because I'm not sure how to navigate this in my world. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my early adult years that I ever heard verse 21 taught. And uh, never really even knew that verse 21 was in the Bible. And so let's uh, look at verse 21 for a moment. And further, submit, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So just pause there real quick and ask the question, who does God want us to submit to? Each other. And why? Why are we submitting to each other? Balance. Balance? What's that? To allow love. To allow love? Out of respect for Jesus. We submit to one another out of respect for Jesus. So one of the primary ways to make love a verb is this thing called mutual submission. And mutual submission means in our relationship, guess who's number one? You are. And in our relationship, I say, you're number one. You take priority. And you say back to me, no, no, you take priority. And I go, no, no, really, it's not about me. It's about you. You get priority. And you go, no, no, really, I'm serious about this. Come on. I mean, it's about you. And back and forth, the biggest conflict in the relationship is who's going to get priority. That's a picture of mutual submission. It's one of the most beautiful things when observed between two people in love. And last week, we looked at an example of this submission thing that Jesus did not only for God the Father, but also for us. And we looked at that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, when we read, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Now, verse 7 can be translated as he emptied himself. So he emptied himself of his rights, of his privileges to demonstrate love as a verb to you and to me. Jesus turned love into a verb. 
Submission carries with it the idea of strongly supporting someone else. So it's, it doesn't come from a position of weakness that we often equate to submission. We often say submission, oh, that's a weak thing. That's a weak position. But that's not what's found in scripture. It's a place of incredible strength. Mutual submission is when I stand beside my wife, Tammy, and I say, I am for you. I am with you. Whatever comes our way, I am here to walk this journey with you. I will empty myself of all of my rights and all of what I say my privileges should be to demonstrate my love for you because you take priority in our relationship. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Mutual submission is when Tammy stands beside me and she says the same thing back to me. Now let's look at verse 25. For husbands, so guys, if you're married or you ever want to be married, this is talking to you. This means love your wives. So this is an echo of what um, Jesus has said in John 13. Love must be a verb. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here's the verb part. He gave up his life for her. So Jesus gave up his life for the church. He gave up his life for you and for me. He demonstrated love. He didn't just talk about love. He demonstrated love as a verb in the most profound way by giving his life for us. Verse 26, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. So guys, if you are married, that's what God is asking you to do. That's how God is asking you to demonstrate your love to your spouse. If you're not married, if you want to be married one day, that's the expectation from scripture, that that's how you love your future spouse. And uh, you might hear that and go, you know what, if that's what that means, I'm not quite so sure I want to sign up for that. I mean, that's a heavy challenge from, from Jesus. That's a heavy challenge from God. And Jesus' disciples, one day in an interaction with Jesus, Jesus was talking about marriage, and they heard that. And that was kind of their, their response back to Jesus was, wow, this is heavy. If this is what you're talking about, it seems like, Jesus, it's better that we not get married. And Jesus' response was basically, it's a tough challenge. Don't, don't walk down that road if you're not up to it. And don't walk down this road of marriage. Marriage can be one of the most rewarding relationships in all the world. And yet, it can be one of the most challenging relationships, one of the most difficult relationships to be in. It's not for the faint of heart to be in a marriage relationship. To fall in love and stay in love for a lifetime, we have to determine to work harder on our marriage relationship than any other relationship out there, even a relationship that we have with our kids. We have to work harder on our marriage relationship above all other relationships. We have to choose us. So staying in love for a lifetime is a choice that we make. 
It's when we choose us above all other relationships out there. It's when you choose to love your spouse in those, those good moments and in those bad moments. When you feel in love and when you don't feel in love. It's choosing your spouse in you know, those times when there's no one else you'd rather be in a relationship with. And those times when there's anybody else you'd rather be in a relationship with. To stay in love for a lifetime, we have to choose to make love a verb. Verse 30, Ephesians 5, verse 30 says, and we are now, we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now here in verse 31, God does some strange math. So uh, if you're a student and you just finished the FCAT, don't apply this math there. It won't work real well. But God says, one plus one equals one. So when it comes to our relationships, what God wants for us as we walk this journey, this process of two becoming one as people look at us in our marriage relationships verse 32, it says, this is a great mystery. So Paul goes, you know, God's math is a great mystery. Marriage is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, Paul's echoing John 13. I think the reason that God cares so much about our marriage relationships is because they are a reflection of our relationship with him. They're a reflection. So as people look at our marriages, their eyes should be drawn upward towards God and the reality that he is real and that we love him. So our relationships are a reflection of our relationship with him. Now, I have in my office a picture like this, and it's entitled Mirror Lake. So I think you can probably figure out why it got its name. But I have this picture in my office, and it reminds me regularly of what our marriages should look like, what they should be like, our in-love relationships. And if you will imagine that the landscape there and the sky above is God, and we are the lake. So as people look at our relationship, they should see a clear reflection of what's above They should see a beautiful uh, demonstration of love demonstrated as a verb. They should see us loving each other the way Jesus loved us. And there are moments in my relationship that I just admit, as people look at the lake of my relationship with my wife, Tammy, it, it doesn't look that clean. It doesn't look that clear. They don't see the reflection of Jesus. There are moments that we get these wonderful glimpses of that. And there are other moments that, you know what, I've thrown you know, just so many rocks in, into the, our relationship and the water's a little chaotic. And sometimes as people look at that and they go, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking at. But what God is challenging all of us to do is continue to move forward in our relationships to becoming one, demonstrating love as a verb so that as people look at our relationship, they see Christ. They see God, they see his reflection, and they know that he is real, and they know that we love him. So what do people see when they look at your relationship? Your in-love relationships, what do they see? Do they see Christ? Or is the water kind of chaotic, and is it hard to tell what the reflection is from above? 
Now, as I close today, I want to revisit a challenge I gave you last week, and it has two parts to it. The first part is being here every week for this series. Now, God has some profound truths to teach us, but we've got to be where we can hear them so we can apply them to our lives. And I know that some of you are in a relationship that is strained. And you say, you know what, I'm, I'm here by myself. Or maybe, you know, I know my spouse won't come. And if that's you in your spot, you know, I just encourage you to pray. Ask God to help your spouse show up. Um, but if they won't, then you come. Come by yourself and learn. Start with yourself. Let God do the rest. But come and hear and learn how to apply what God has for you in this series. And the second part is on May 4th and 5th, we're going to have a two-day marriage seminar here in this building called The Art of Marriage. And I think if you are married, you ever want to be married, you used to be married, you know someone who's married, you have a pulse, I think you should come. I think everybody should be a part of this. Um, so sign up um, at, for this event. You can do that online. There should be a, a flyer on your seat. We have a table out in the lobby area that you can stop by and, and talk to them about that and sign up there as well. I, I think we all should be a part of this. The cost is $50 per couple. And again, one of the greatest investments that you could ever make in your marriage. The Hilton Garden Inn down the street here, close to Panera, right behind Panera, has given us a discounted rate for that Friday night. So you come here Friday night to the seminar, and then Friday night after that, you can go down and, and stay the night in that hotel if you want to turn this into a, a marriage ret retreat weekend, which I strongly encourage you to do to get the, the most out of it. And we're also going to need some help that weekend pulling off this event. So if you would love to help us with that, I encourage you to stop by the table and just let them know you're available to help throughout our marriage seminar. And I just want to thank you again for being here today to make an investment in your current relationship or your future relationship. Now, I'm going to wrap us up in a word of prayer. And then our worship team is going to come back up. And they're going to sing a song. Uh, it's, a, it's really a song of reflection. And it'll be a moment for us to reflect on our in-love relationships and the gift that they are to us from God. And then after the service, I'm going to be up here in this uh, section here. And if you would like me to pray with you uh, over your marriage or your future marriage, then I encourage you to just come up and then just hang out right here. And I would love to pray with you this morning. So let's wrap up in a quick word of prayer. God, again, thank you for the truth that you provide us, that we don't have to wander aimlessly, Lord, through life when it comes to relationships that we don't understand. We can turn to you as our resource. And Lord, I thank you for the mystery and the wonder of marriage relationships. Lord, in this principle of two becoming one, Lord, the only way that we can discover that is to follow your plan. So Jesus, thank you for being an incredible model of what it means for us to turn love into a verb, to demonstrate love and action to our spouses. So I pray that you would strengthen our, our marriages. Lord, help us to turn to you as the one and only resource that can do that. In Jesus' name, amen.